The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, folks. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> what's, what's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home... 
home at 12.30. Why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potato salad? I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find the meat for him. I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. (laughs) Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snobby. They were baggy, so I pressed them. Baggy? Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Hand me my Which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage, anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my guest this hour has spent most of his life avoiding novel writing, but he has finally given in with a uh, new book called Mart of Darkness, and his name is Phil Granchy. He joins me by phone. Phil, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, now, I didn't read the, the whole title of the book. It's uh, Mart of Darkness When More is Not Enough. Um, does this do for consumerism what idiocracy did for government? Uh, I think so. I like to think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so we're all doing it, right? I mean, we're all going to stores, you know, at some point in the week, and what are we buying? You know, that's, we're, we're asking a lot of questions about that. <laughs> but what um, what gave you the idea to to write this book or or challenge this? And what is a mart of darkness? Sure. Well, uh, I have to go back, uh, you know, quite a ways. I was working as a freelance graphic artist at this direct marketing agency in Chicago. Direct marketing, of course, is the business euphemism for junk mail, and uh, surrounded by these brilliant, really creative, you know, really energetic, professional people, you know, top of their game, and they're talking about this thing called buying power, right? When you get these credit cards, you get buying power, and I'm like, well, what is that? You know, is it this, like, mystical, like, superpower we get? And I sort of extrapolated that to include, like, well, what happens if, you know, we get to a point where everyone can buy in everything you want, everything you want and there's a place where you can do that, so that's what this book looks at and but yet it's but it's set in novel format correct right so what i did is i took i took the largest store that, that you could imagine and we've all been inside you know the big ones right and uh, you walk in and you're like wow that just keeps going on and i thought well eventually you know i extrapolated you know they're just going to keep going they're going to make these stores so people can live inside them so i took it so it's a comedic extreme as far as you could possibly go, <laughs> where the store, you know, they, they're, the paving machines are just going all the time, right? And uh, and uh, oh, I thought, well, let's, let's see what happens when you go inside that store. That's funny. I, and, you know, I can't tell you how many times I weigh the decision about whether or not I want to save 39 cents versus walking four blocks inside a building. And you are the ultimate, you know, human, every man for having that same decision process. We've all done that. Like, do I really want to go into that store? And, you know, sometimes you do. And sometimes you go in for, like, peanut butter and you come out with two cartloads, and that's just how it happens, right? So. Exactly. Well, when I, um, I, I remember years ago um, sort of training myself not to be suckered in by so-called convenience stores. And we have them all over the place now, dollar stores and Family Dollar and Dollar General and all these different kinds of. Um, but basically, it's just a small store. It's it's easy in, easy out. And because they have less products and, and less quantity, they, they the prices are a little bit higher. And then I look at the big box stores. And 
yeah, there are some good deals to be had, but I can save an hour and, and uh, you know, a lot of legwork by stopping in one of these convenience stores. Then I may pay an extra couple of dollars, but to me, it's worth it not to have to do all that foraging. And that's what right. it feels like in those big box stores. It feels like foraging. Right. I think that they intention. I think they're trying to like, uh, you know, harken us back to our days as hunter gatherers. We're like out like, in the wilderness, like you know, right, foraging to you know for survival. I think maybe they put that in there intentionally, so we feel like we're connected with our primal roots, and maybe it feels better that we're doing it that way. Um, how how did we get to that point? I mean, I, I, how did we go from general store? To big box store. Well, I think the simplest answer is is uh, endless growth, endless economic growth, right? I think that there's there's a, a notion within you know these these financial institutions and businesses that we can just keep growing endlessly, right? And so how you do that is well, you have to keep making ever more finely diversified types of products, so you can get you know the peanut butter with nuts in it, and you can get the peanut butter with cappuccino chips in it, you can get the peanut butter with cinnamon. And so endlessly diversifying simple things, and then so you need spaces to put that. So you need bigger and bigger and bigger stores. And in my mind, I extrapolate that out to, you know, 20 years in the future where, you know, you do. You've got not just a peanut butter aisle, but you've got a peanut butter section. You know, that's like as big as you know, as big as you know, Home Depot itself, right? That that's how big it gets. <laughs> and and it's it, it's funny in your book you talk about uh, snaking through a wild canyon of fifty-five gallon drums of pickles, known as Gherkin Gorge. Yep, absolutely inevitable, right? The 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 first there's for some reason about pickles. Why do we like pickles in such large quantities? I don't know, but the pickle jars always seem to be getting bigger, and the peanut butter jars too. But well, I thought it was inevitable. Go ahead. And what's yeah. what's funny about that, Phil, is that for years when I was a bachelor, there would be a jar of pickles in my refrigerator, and it was the same jar from 10 years ago when I moved into the place. It's because you got a two-gallon jar of pickles, Tom, right? Well, you know, yeah, I, just, I, I didn't go through that many pickles, apparently. Right. Um, well, none of us do, but we still want Because, I mean, you can get the two-gallon you know, jar of pickles for 89 cents, and the you know, eight-ounce jar was 79 cents. You're like, oh, heck, I'll pay the extra 10 cents and get the two-gallon two jar. Then you have them for years, right? I, I remember shopping uh, one time with with one of my ex wives, and we were in the um, uh, salad dressing section, and we're walking along, and she's looking, she's looking, she's looking, and then she reaches up and grabs a name brand of ranch, and she goes, "Yeah, everybody loves ranch." <laughs> and, That's true, right? And and yeah. I'll never forget that there were all these different, you know, kinds of vinaigrette and you know all these different dressings and uh at the end of the day which is the one most people like we'll buy that one right well so the question is and you you know you raised it earlier how much time do you want to spend right like how much bandwidth do i have in my life to like you know look at the 
42 different kinds of vinaigrettes I can get here. <laughs> Do I want to spend that time? Most people, I would say no, but you find yourself doing it anyway. More about his dystopian sci-fi comedy, Mart of Darkness, when more is not enough, with author Phil Granchy, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yellow. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. 
And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More about his dystopian sci-fi comedy, Mart of Darkness, When More Is Not Enough, with author Phil Granchy, straight ahead. Are you speculating humorously and fictitiously in this book that these big box stores are going to continue to expand? Or has the pandemic and the idea of delivery changed that a little? I think that, well, delivery is 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 great, and I think that's not going away. But there there is, and, and, and I really wasn't joking, I think there, there is something about the nature of the outing for the human being, right? Like, to get in your car, gather your kids up, and, like, we're going to go out to the store. I mean, there's a certain level of, I mean, is it fun? I don't know, but, but there, there's a certain level of adventure to it. There's definitely a certain level of maybe we're doing something together as a family. I think the, the big box stores and the traveling to the stores is going to continue. I think in terms of size, I, I think they probably, are they going to get to the extreme that, that I hypothesize? Probably not, but, but they're going to get bigger because, because there's going to be more people and they're going to need, I mean, look at like some of the furniture stores that you can go into now. They just go on, you know, they're not just one story, but they're two and three stories of furniture that are the you know, same footprint. They're massive, and you can spend, you know, literally an entire day in there. And I think, I think that, uh, you know, businesses want that. They want you to go in and have an experience, like have some food, you know, go for a walk, stay, right? Stay for hours and hours. It, it, you know, when you describe grabbing up the kids and heading off to the store, it, it just sort of reminds me that, that this seems like a contemporary version of, you know, back in the day, you know, living in a, in a, a little cabin on the prairie and going into town with the wagon, you know, for a month or a season's worth of supplies, you know, it's... And and it's almost like we treat it like that. We've got our little, uh, you know, soccer van, and and you know we pack everybody up, and you know we head to the mall or or to the big box store anymore. I don't even think people go to malls, do they? Uh, malls, not so much. But there's definitely. I mean, I mean, everyone loved you know Charles Engels, right? You're absolutely right. There's something about that. Little house on the prairie. We're going to provide for our family, right? So we do. We got the wagon. You know, the wagon's got you know triple rows of seats and you know V eight, but you know it's still a wagon and you know in its form. And and we're going to go there and we're going to get the provisions, the things we need to get us through winter because it's winter's going to be hard. We know that, right? But uh, I think there is that. I think there's that notion of uh, providing for our families, and and I think kids get that too, and they they sense it and they sense that they're being taken care of when that happens. There's a lot of emotional stuff in there, and advertisers are very smart about playing on our emotions. We all know that, right? Well, yeah, I, I, it's it's um, it, it's funny when you talk about this because it just it reminds me of these funny little rituals that we do that that harken back to a previous age, and we don't even know sometimes that that we're doing them. Like there's something in our DNA that says pack the kids up and go get supplies. 
um, it, it's uh, it, it's it's just kind of funny to me. Um, this idea of the uh, never-ending expansion of the uh, what is it? The Walmart. Yes, Walmart. Walmart is the so the 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 the, the short of the story is is that they're. Uh, the CEO of this of this story of this story of this store, Walmart, has sort of you know gone off the rails, and he's decided that he wants to allow everyone you know to have everything they want. He wants to bring the American dream to as many people as possible, and so he just decides that he's going to build a store that that you know goes you know all the way across Southern Ohio for miles and miles and miles, and people can just live in there. And he doesn't care if it's profitable anymore to him or not, because he sees it as his humanitarian spiritual mission, if you will. And, uh, and that's the idea. He, he's, he's taking the American dream to this, this, this extreme uh, so that he can provide for people, that he can be their savior. There's an element of that in there, too, which is, you know, that goes back to the original stories of Heart of Darkness, uh, you know, which has this white colonial master who thinks he's the savior of these people too that that the ideas are interconnected in this um in this scenario i'm i'm reminded of a, a television commercial i saw once and i it was for storage bins mm-hmm. and there was a, a typical american nuclear family and they had accumulated so much stuff they didn't know where to put stuff so they buy these storage bins and now it's all neat and tidy and the first thing that the mom says is we can get more stuff. There you go. <laughs> she couldn't have said it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? We can just get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can get more stuff because we've got right. a good way to store it. What right. is this notion, or do you have any sense for it? And I'm sure you've you've picked it apart and, and poked at it in the book. Is this this idea that that we need so much? stuff i mean it's it's one thing you know i i used to joke my my show was based in uh in flint michigan and there are a lot of hunters in michigan and i'm not you know a big hunter guy i'm i'm not a gun guy and so i always joke that i i do my hunting uh you know at the local supermarket but it's this this idea that aside from the things that we need groceries basically what is it about accumulating stuff well that's that's the big question that needs to be asked i think probably on day one of maybe an american history class there's there's these notions you know we're talking about you know charles ingles little house on the prairie but somewhere something got planted that you know my parents you know they're european immigrants they came here looking for a better life you know most of us in this country did come from other countries looking for a better life. And so we got here and life was better, but then there was these businesses that were here. It's like, okay, well, we need to continue making money. So we got to figure out a way to like continue to make, continue to buy stuff. So somewhere it got planted along the line that just, you know, having freedom and like, you know, a safe environment and being able to grow your own food and, and live in freedom. That wasn't enough. We needed more right and then we get to the point where more is not enough there's something been planted somewhere along the line that we do need to buy more stuff and that's perpetuated you know by our by our 
our uh, economic environment. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, going back to, oh, the early part of the 20th century, American businesses were just coming out with really cool labor-saving devices that have become standard in American households. You know, not everybody had an electric washer and dryer. Not You know, nobody had a dishwasher. And all of these things, and we used to look to American companies as, as being these these great soldiers of making our lives easier through innovation and uh, mass production and, and bringing the prices down to where people could afford to buy these things, even cars for that matter. And it it, it just strikes me funny. Uh, um, comedian uh, Henny Youngman said his wife was complaining that her life was too hard, so I bought her an electric washer, an electric dryer, an electric dishwasher. And then finally she said, you know, we've got so many appliances, I don't have any place to sit, so I bought her an electric chair. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, he's he's joking about it, but this, this idea of um, labor-saving devices to save us from what? Well, yeah, So, and that's the point I, I, I get to ultimately in the book is, is, you know, what gives people satisfaction? So... The, the idea of sitting around, okay, so, you know, I got something to do to wash, I got something to, to, like, you know, do this and this. So you can sit around with your family, and that's really great, right? But that when you're sitting around in your family, you're not buying anything. So I think that, that these businesses decided, we don't want you to just sit around and enjoy your family and, you know, enjoy the comfort of your home. We want you to, like, continue to, like, continue to buy things. And, um, and then there's an element where, um, you know, the idea of, creativity like what gives us each deep satisfaction you know if if we're not deeply satisfied internally with how we feel about you know you know i get satisfaction out of writing some people get satisfaction out of woodwork whatever etc you know those things give us deep satisfaction if you're not getting that you're going to look for satisfaction elsewhere and unfortunately we've associated that with buying things and now you wrote this this book that had you been brewing this story in your mind for a while i had yeah so um i uh, i worked and this goes back quite a, a long time i was working for a direct marketing agency and if i already said this uh stop me but um i was i was surrounded by these people that were really brilliant you know creative intelligent funny you know professional top of their game and they were working on creating direct mail as junk mail, right? So they're creating right. ads for credit cards, right? And one of the things they had to always talk about in these marketing meetings was this idea of buying power, right? It was this mystical force that existed in the universe. And you've got enough credit cards and enough, enough you know, credit lined up. You could buy things endlessly. And I extrapolated that. I said, that's very interesting. I think there's some spiritual you know, and philosophical notions that I need to explore in this. And that really led to expanding the world of Mart of Darkness. How far can it go? Had, had you written before? I did, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I started writing when I was in fifth grade. I wrote a science fiction story that got published in the, uh, the county you know, uh, school journal. And I thought, that was great. I think I can do this. And I've always had an interest in writing. I I went to Purdue University and, and wrote on a student newspaper there, and 
and I've always wanted to write. And uh, but you know, it's it it takes time, and you know, making a living and, and it also takes time. So I, I did some other things along the way, and now I've got some time to write in this book as a result of that. And and doing this while are you continuing to be a practicing radiologist as well? I am. Yeah, I continue to work as a radiologist, and I'm I'm not sure. Um, I mean, it, it's uh, it's different now because of because of the current situation. Everyone in healthcare is working a lot harder, but I do get a fair amount of free time, and and uh, I like my job, you know, for many reasons, and that's one of them. It, when when I leave work, I do have some time to 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 not take phone calls and and think about these kind of things because these are important to me also. I mean, this is this is an important part of. I think I think there's real human interest in this story, like. Who are we and where are we headed? You know, where are we headed with everything that we're doing? I, I really want to ask those questions. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm still hung on the phrase, when more is not enough. <laughs> Just this idea of accumulating more and more. And, and, and it almost doesn't matter what it is. Well, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's definitely so. the The idea is is it's a it's a it's a tongue in cheek tagline. Of course, you know, Mart. You know, you know. I don't even know what the the. I, I can't quote them. We'll probably you know. I, I don't think I can anyway. But you know, the taglines for so many of these stores are you know catchy and you know and I think oh I want to go there right so. When more is not enough is the the Mart of you know the Allmart tagline, but it really asks a philosophical question like so. You know, they're saying, like, you know, you've got plenty of stuff already, you know, but come and buy some more. But the, but it's a real existential question. Like, what happens when more is not enough? So you've got every, you've got the three cartloads of stuff back home with you and your kids, right? You've just got more, and it's not enough. What are you going to do then? Are you going to sit and enjoy your family? Are you really just going to stop buying? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your time and your energy and your money when, when you've had enough? It's a big question for all of us in the United States to ask, I think. Well, one of the funniest things that, that happens to me is I will go to the store and I will come back with, you know, a half a dozen grocery sacks full of groceries and and get everything in and put away and go, I forgot the thing I went for. Happens all the time. Again, welcome to the human race, Tom. We all do it. We all do it. I thought it was just me. No, no. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was the same syndrome as when I walk into a room and can't remember what I went in there for. Yeah. Um, same process, though. It, it is kind of. Um, yeah. But do you think this book will lead to another book? I do. Uh, I recognized uh, after, after writing it uh, that, that I, I raised a lot of questions. And I didn't intend to raise a lot of questions, but I saw afterwards that I did, and I think I need to explore those. So there is going to be a second and probably a third book that picks up uh, these characters inside this store. Remember that these people are now living inside the store. And so there's communities in there, and there's worlds in there, and I need to explore what happens to them. Oh, that is so, that is so fun. Um now you call it the mart the book is called Mart of Darkness. What's the darkness part of this? I mean, what's wrong with living in a store and and just you know getting up out of your tent and foraging for breakfast? Well, so I, I, I raised the point, and this is I'm not going to give too much away about the book, but so there's people who go into the store. I've been trying and, to stay away from spoiler alerts. 
Right. Okay. So it, it won't give anything away at all. So those people who, who go into the store, like you, like they went in to buy peanut butter and then they're in there for years, right? And, and so what they've done is they've abandoned their families. They've abandoned their jobs. They've abandoned so many things. And then they also have left, you know, the labor force out in the world. So, so uh, these people are, are shifting their entire lives inside the store. So are they happier inside? We don't know what is going on with them. And that's what I really, really want to explore is what is happening to our civilization as more and more people go inside the store. And uh, um, another thing to remember is that uh, the guy who started the store, uh, Curtis McStall, he's the the CEO, he's gone insane, right? He's, he's, He's off the rails. So we don't know that his motives are necessarily benevolent. I think that there's a chance that there's other forces that are happening that we don't know about yet that might emerge in other books that that aren't good for the people inside, and I need to explore that as well. You know, this was interesting. Um, Some years ago I I was at a a conference that had um, a presenter on urban planning who had done a study of some projects that involved these uh, um, tunneled-in bridges from parking decks to stores and office buildings and so on. And there was this whole spider web in this center city area that they went and studied and took pictures of. And what happened was... And it was great because it was in the northern part of the U.S. And, you know, you spent time in Chicago. You know, it, it can be pretty brutal in the wintertime, you know, getting from place to place. So the idea was you were always inside. You drove your car into a parking deck. You walked through the bridge to this place and through another bridge to another place. But when they took photographs down on the street, there were no people. Yeah, interesting, right? And and it was it was visually stunning. I mean, it looked like this futuristic, you know, post-neutron bomb city. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, you you got to think about green space and a certain amount of getting out of the structures. And you know it's 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 one thing to protect yourself from the elements, but are you protecting yourself from the world? Well, exactly, and this goes back to to you know our earlier comments about you know the hunter gatherer thing. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a doctor, and and anybody who knows anything about biology, I mean, you got to spend some time outside, right? You need sunlight. We need sunlight. Period. We need air. So. Right. What happens to people when they spend so much time inside? I mean, there's a lot of really, really interesting questions that need to be answered about that. Well, this is a a fascinating idea. And and I I remember I went for a couple of years with a friend of mine who just kept making references to the film Idiocracy. And when I when I watched when I finally saw the movie, I, I was just stunned at at. It claimed to be 500 years in the future, but it didn't feel like it was that far off. And, yeah, agreed. And, and, and people, uh, in fact, I think um, John Kelly from the Detroit Free Press, who gave your book five stars, um, talks about this world, a shopping gone wild, or a manifestation of shopping gone wild in a world that looks a good deal like our own. He's he's saying that that 
there are too many similarities between what is and was intended to be um, a a dystopian sci-fi comedy. Um, But yet, it seems a little too real for that. Well, so maybe that's where change can happen. If, uh, you know, I, I definitely, I don't want people to feel guilty when they read this book. I want people to laugh out loud when they read this book. And, uh, but, but I think, you know, every artist hopes that maybe they can induce change in the world. And, and my hope is that people will read this and they'll get a sense like, wow, that's me. I do that. But instead of feeling guilty, they go, maybe I'm just going to like, look at the sky. I'm going to stop at the edge of the parking lot before I go into the store and just look at the sky and the birds and the tree before I go in, you know, in the hope that maybe my behavior will change just a little bit. That's the kind of change I'm hoping for. Maybe we can get there. Well, and, and this is, this is just pure fun. However, it impacts people. Um, Phil, I, I really appreciate you spending time with me this morning to talk about this, and I wish you all the best luck. What kind of feedback have you been getting from people? Well, uh, very similar to what you said. People people say, I laughed out loud, but boy, did it you know, feel close to home. And that's mostly <laughs> what I've been getting, right? And you've sort of uh, you know reiterated that this morning with your you know your shopping experience, but I think everyone does. It's you know it's 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 human it's human behavior, and here we are. Well, the book is called Mart of Darkness, When More is Not Enough, a novel by Phil Granchy, who is uh, my guest this hour. Phil, we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out a little bit more about you and your work. Oh, all Marts, there's, a, there's a website for the book, allmartstores.com, all one word. That'll give you a sense, uh, give you a peek inside the store and take you to the Amazon link where you can buy the book. And uh, that's my recommendations. Please have a laugh. Please have a look. It's it's all in good fun. Well, Phil, thanks so much. And it's been uh, good fun talking with you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Take care. Again, name of the book is Mart of Darkness, When More is Not Enough, a novel by Phil Granchy. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Now. When a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better <coughs> Now back in 1918 influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it then we're all gonna die If we don't do it then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised Oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus 
If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad transmittable, super bad transmittable, contagious. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. That means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. 
For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Food isn't that much easier now, though. See people in the supermarket just struggling, reading things, looking around. Everyone's all upset in the supermarket. What do I eat? What am I supposed to eat? The protein, the carbohydrate, the fat content. People just see fat content, fat content. It has fat, there's fat in it. It's going to be in me. People just going up to people, you, you look okay, what are you eating? Maybe I'll eat that. <laughs> the whole supermarket is designed to break down your sense of having any kind of life outside the supermarket. It's like a casino. You know, there's no windows, no clocks, no easily accessible exits. You ever not buy anything in the supermarket and try and get out of there? There's no way out. They, you can't get out. People walk up to the supermarket, they really have a sense of purpose, don't they? They're walking down there, they go, all right, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to get out of here and get back to my real life. You see that same person ten minutes later just... Why did I come up this aisle anyway? This is a different aisle than I've ever been in before. Oh, he's noticing something new. Oh, they got him in mesquite flavor now. What is mesquite? I wonder if it's made from mosquitoes. There's so many subtle insults in a lot of these products. What the hell is chicken of the sea tuna? There's no chickens in the sea. What do they think, they're afraid to tell us it's a fish? Afraid we won't understand? Just put chicken on the can. They'll think it's chicken that lives in the sea. Any chickens that live in the sea. Chickens on the land, fish in the sea. Don't put chickens in the sea. That Oscar Meyer section is creepy too. This guy's inventing meat. There's no olive loaf animal as far as I know. I've never seen a pig with little pimentos in the side. And that other one, head cheese, whoa! Oh, I don't think so. I've always felt the words head and cheese should never be that close together for any reason.
Produce is tricky too. I don't know what's the deal with the produce. I mean, every, you're supposed to know. So you have to just fake it, you know. Yeah, that's a good one. Glad I found that one. Cantaloupes, I'm rolling them down the aisle, you know. See the way that's fading left? That one's not ready. I'm not going to get that one. Very impressed with that seedless watermelon development. That was quite an accomplishment. Seedless watermelon. They did it. It's done. We have it now. What are they planting to grow the seedless watermelon, I wonder? Water? I mean, it's got to be something. They haven't got the melons humping now, have they? And what kind of scientists do this kind of work anyway? You know, other scientists working on AIDS, cancer, heart disease, these guys are going, no, I want to focus more on melon. I think that's the important area. Sure, thousands are dying needlessly, but this, that's got to stop. And you ever try and pick up a wet one off the floor? It's almost impossible. Milk is a big problem for people in the supermarket. They're never quite sure if they have it, if they need it. They bury it way in the back in the supermarket. You gotta find it, you gotta hack your way through all the displays. Well, yeah, there it is. There's the milk. Do we have any milk? People are never really sure if they have milk. You think you have milk, we might have milk. I know there's a carton in there, I don't know how much is in Well, what should we do? Because you want to be sure. There's nothing worse than thinking you have milk and not having it. You know, you got the bowl set up, the cereal, the spoon, the napkin, the TV, the newspaper, everything's ready to go. You gotta lift up the carton and it's too light. Ah! Oh no! Too light. Or sometimes you think you need milk. Hey, we better pick up some milk. Like many of you are thinking right now. You know, he's right. Maybe we should pick up some milk. So you'll pick up some milk on the way home. And then you'll discover you already had milk. And now you got way too much milk. That's no good either. Now it's a race against the clock with the expiration date. That freaky thing. Now you're eating giant punch bowls of cereal, three meals a day. You're washing your face with milk. Bringing cats in from all over the neighborhood. Hurry up and drink it! Come on, it's almost time! How do they know that that is the definite exact day? You know, they don't say like it's in the vicinity, give or take, roughly. They brand it right into the side of the cart and then they, that's your goddamn day right there. Oh, don't screw with us. We know what day is the final day. And then it is so over. You ever have milk the day after the day? Scares the hell out of you, doesn't it? The spoon is trembling as it comes out of the bowl. It's after the day. I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm doing this. I smelled it. You smell it. What is it supposed to smell like? I never smelled milk. Maybe the cows tip them off when they're milking them. July 3rd.
So I go to that checkout line. I really appreciate the rubber divider sticks that are available on checkout lines. I think this is a nice little supermarket feature. So you want your items and you want a little property there too. So you, I don't want other people's items fraternizing with my carefully selected items. Put your sticks down. There's two ways to use the rubber divider stick. You can put it on the conveyor belt, or you can hold it there in your hand. It also works like that. Just go, excuse me, those potato chips are getting a little close to my box of donuts over there. <laughs> See that corner of that bag kind of curling up against the side of the box? I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> you paying attention to me? <laughs> so there was a young lady in front of me the other day. Her total was $3. She chose to pay by the use of the check. What is with the chicks and the checks? <laughs> Women are using way more checks than men. Are you aware of this, guys? Outside of, I think, bills, men write like two, three checks a month. Women go through like a book a day. <laughs> and you know how you are when you're on the supermarket line anyway. You see the person in front of you pull out a check and you... But if it is a woman in front of you that's writing out the check, you will not be waiting long because women write out so many checks. They are so fluent in the procedures of checking and check writing. It takes them two seconds and they're out of there. It's the one thing in their purse they can find immediately. It's the checkbook. The most difficult thing for women to find in their purse is keys. They have no idea where the keys are. Sometimes they have to dump it out, rake through it. But the checkbook, they got that. That comes out of a holster. Who do I make it out to? <laughs> Here's my ID. See you later. You don't see men doing that. Men are totally intimidated by the check. To a man, a check is like a note from your mother that, that says, I don't have any money, but if you contact these people, they'll stick up for me. I gave my money to these people here. And then they gave me these. <laughs> Is that worth anything at all? I put my name on it and the amount of money that I wish I had. <laughs> you got to beg this guy to trust you. And even if he does trust you, how much do you trust him in return? Not very much. Because when you write out the dollar amount on the check, you always put that long line all the way down. <laughs> So he can't write in and $100 million too. I think if you don't finish the line, you have to pay that money. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to all my guests. Uh, Phil Granchi, uh, author of Mart of Darkness. Before that, we talked with uh, Eric Groves from Alignable about small businesses and fears about new government shutdowns due to the Delta variant. And we started out with uh, the funniest lawyer in New Jersey, New Jersey Assemblyman uh, John Bramnick, talking about his new book, Why People Don't Like You. Well, I'm out, but I'll be back tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show. 
and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.